Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You know, I, I always, I would think that nearly going on four and a half, even pushing on five years here, I still get asked the question, do you miss Texas? And, and, and Texas is a, is, a, is a great, great place. I mean, you, you'll nearly uh, hardly ever, you'll nearly hardly ever hear me say anything bad about Texas, except there is one thing that Colorado lacks that Texas has an abundance of, and, and that's where I'm going to start because I was down there in Texas, and my wife, has anybody else's wife ever wanted a pond? You know, one of those little uh, deals with the fountain so you can sit out there. Well, my, my, my wife wanted a pond, and being the good husband I am, I'm going to go out there and dig her a pond. Now, if you've never dug anything in West Texas, just go get you a spoon and try to dig a pond right there in that cement because that's about how easy it is. But I get this pond dug out, and you would think that cement would hold water, but it doesn't. So I got this pond dug out, and it, you know, it would have made, uh, it had been deep for a Tweety Bird, you know. So I, mean, I spent a lot of time on it. I got it about that deep. And so, but you fill it up with water and it'd just go down. So we put this little pond liner in it and filled it back up. And we get, went and got these big old fence posts, cedar fence posts, and we kind of lined it with stuff. And we made it look really cool, but after a couple of years, it's kind of getting ratty in that we'd, line, we, you know, we'd put the uh, pond liner down and then we'd cement in it where it looked all nice and some of the cement was starting to crack and all that. So I went out there and I was going to, pull everything back and, and redo everything so it looked cool, right? And so, anyway, I get down there, and there's this big old, big cedar post. But being the six-foot-four, 250-pound man that I am, I don't need no help moving this thing. So I reach down like, a, you know, world's strongest man, and I lift this thing up, and I get it about right here, and I'm having to roll it. And about that time, I don't really know where your intestines come out when you get a hernia, but I had three of them. And I'm holding it like this, and my old legs are shaking. And you're not going to believe this, but a Tyrannoscorpionus rex crawled out from the bottom side of this deal. And he's looking at me. And if you've never seen Clash of the Titans with those scorpions that are like nine feet tall, there was one of them under that log. And it crawled out. Well, I got such a stranglehold on this old log, and my legs are jiggling like this. I can't let it go. I'm tied on. And that big old scorpion comes across there, and it was like in slow motion. It was like, and I seen him cock his tail. It was crazy. And so, and so I'm like this, and he's got a beeline on my finger, and he rears back. And he looks at me with his beady red eyes. It was glowing. And I went, no. And if you think getting stung by a scorpion hurts, you ought to watch a scorpion sting you in the cuticle. Now, if you don't think that that hurts, come on up here and I'm going to take this knife right here. You lay your finger up here and I'm going to go like that because that's exactly what it felt like. So I turned that scorpion loose, and I went and found me a black hood. You know one that those executioners wear? 
And I cut me two slits in it and got me a battle axe called a piece of rebar. And I went and me and that scorpion had to come to Jesus meeting. I introduced him to Jesus slowly, methodically. And then I went inside. And my lovely wife is standing at the kitchen sink. She's doing dishes and being all cute. And I walk in there and I just stand there. She's like, hi, honey. Hey. She's like, what you doing? Nothing. She's looking at me like, what's this creep doing? Just standing in the kitchen. Do you need something? No. Everything okay? Yeah. No, honey, look, it hurts. Right there. And she's like, where? I'm like, right there, the end of my finger's missing. She goes, no, it's still there. And I said, it's phantom. It's off. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like. And God bless my wife. I am so lucky to have somebody blessed with such a big heart and, and, and such loving and caring. Because she looked at me and she goes, quit being a sissy. <laughs> Just blew my bubble all the way up out of the water. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Be Awesome. And I, and, and I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. I'm not talking about that here at Save the Cowboy, that preacher, he preaches that we're supposed to go out there with our chest bowed up. and we're right. No, I, when I say I want you to be awesome, we want people to see Christ that's living inside of us. We want to be reflecting that light so that other people say, man, you have an awesome life. How can I have that? Because the, the thing that I hate the most is, is, you know, those Christians that walk around like, you know, I'm just, you know, I, things are so bad. And then they're saying, but we're blessed. God's got me. You know, shut up. You know, I mean, we, we, we should have a, an abundant life. And we talked about that last week. And the week before that, we talked about being that rider on the hill. You know, not, not that you know, Jesus said, be, that let your light shine before all men. Actually, it's Jesus' light shining through us. And we're like a city on a hill that those that are in the darkness will be attracted to that light so that they can come to know him as we know him. So I want each and every one of us to be awesome, not in some conceited, selfish way, but in a way that will attract the world to what we have. And my prayer is that each and every one of us have Jesus living in our lives. And then the very first week we talked about if you want to be awesome, quit arguing with anything and everything. And so now we're in the fourth week of our Be Awesome series, and this week is titled Don't Be a Sissy. You know, there's some... Uh, I hate how the modern conception of church and those people that go to church, I hate how the modern conception of church has made Christians look like sissies, don't you? You know, like Christians are supposed to just be nice. Oh, you know, Christianity is all about being nice. Be nice to everybody. Don't say anything mean. Don't just be nice. But, but on the other hand, that, that, that's the modern conception that if you're a Christian, you just have to walk around and be a pansy all the time. And, and you know, no offense, I, I love feminine women. But, you know, men, you're not supposed to be sissies as Christians because Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I mean, time and time again, there's just things that we're in a battle. We're not supposed to just go around being nice and rolling over and, you know, tail tucked between our legs. I hate how the modern conception of church has made Christians into sissies. You know, we're, we're not pushovers. 
We're supposed to be the anchors that keep this world from sliding into the dark abyss. I mean, think about that. We are going out into the night with our light, with Jesus' light shining through us. And, and a lot of times we have to stand against the flow of the world. You know, the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in James 1.27, it says, the religion that God calls pure and awesome, that's what I like to say, is one that... A uh, person that keeps himself from being polluted by the world. I mean, we're supposed to be anchors. We're supposed to be the rocks in the stream, not little pieces of you know wet toilet paper flowing down the sewer. I hate the modern conception of how Christianity think people think that if you're a Christian, you have to be a sissy. Christians have been painted with little white flowers and curls in our hair, handing out Jesus love you pamphlets when actually God wants us to put on the full armor of God and go into battle to save people that have been caught in the net of the devil's lies. Think about that. I mean, you know, and, and I don't have anything against handing out a little deal that says Jesus loves you, but that's not authentic Christianity. We're supposed to go out into the real world and, and, and let Jesus' real light shine through us, not, you know, paint little curly flowers on us and, and hand out, you know, like the Hare Krishnas. Is that even right? I don't even know. So, speaking of curls and sissies, so last week we, we had to jet out of here pretty quick because we had to go to a birthday party for some friends of ours, and, and their son is about, I don't know, he's about 6 foot 19, so somewhere along there and weighs, you know, about like a boulder. And so I, I'm sitting next to this guy, and, and he's got some pretty cool hair, you know. I mean, just, you know. Well, he's got hair. And um, he said something about, but it didn't look like it. And he made the comment that his hair was curly. Well, my son being in all of his wisdom, I don't know where this kid gets it. My son looks at him and goes, your hair don't look curly. What do you do? Use a straightener on it, you sissy? Now, this guy is six foot 20, 290 pounds. And as soon as that comes out of Griffin's mouth, I'm thinking, how am I going to protect my son? I'm going to have to grab the fireplace and hit him with it, and then go get the truck just to slow him down. And so anyway, luckily he was a really, really nice guy. But you know, we, we as Christians, we're not supposed to, you guys, you're not supposed to use your, your straightener on, on your curls or anything like that. Man, let's let God's light shine through us. If people are going to want what we have, then they have to see something awesome living inside of us that they would want to have also. Think about that. Has anybody ever walked up to you and said, man, I want what you have. I want what you have. Where does that peace come from? Where does that, man, you, you don't ever, you don't hold grudges. I don't hear you talking bad about people. And, you know, I, I never see you arguing about stuff. How do I have what you have? That's our goal. But you know what? Your beliefs, think about this. What you believe isn't going to attract anybody to Christ. It's not what you believe. Well, I believe in God. The Bible says that even the demons believe in God and they shudder with fear. So just believing in God isn't going to do a cotton-picking thing. See, your beliefs don't attract people to Jesus. Your behavior does. It is our behavior and how we interact with the world. I mean, I, I, I hate the quote, and I think it was by Gandhi. He said, I love who your Jesus is, but... It amazes, and, and I'm vastly paraphrasing because he said it a lot better. But he said, I love this Jesus fellow, but it amazes me that his followers don't act anything like him. 
And that's tough stuff. See, your beliefs don't attract people to Jesus. Your behavior does. Or your beliefs don't make you awesome. Your behavior does. We have to learn to act in a way that's different from the world, that, that, is, that is something new that people are going to want. Today, we're going to talk about four... Now, when I say this, four hard things, I want you to know right now that whenever I was preparing this sermon... I had to put band-aids on my toes because I'm guilty of every stinking one of these. And, I, and I'm ashamed to say it, but I, I'm just, I, I'm going to say this in the very beginning. Because if any of you, if, if one of these four things don't step on your toes, we might need to talk. Because I think we're all guilty of some of these things. Four hard things that cowboys... And I, when I say cowboys, I'm not talking just about those that know how to rope and doctor a cow or a bull by themselves. I'm talking about those that ride for Jesus' outfit. Four hard things that cowboys ought to do. How we should behave. The very first one is found in Matthew 18, 15 through 19. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And basically what that says, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It, it, remember that, Matthew 18, 15 through 19. The thing is, is cowboys settle things man to man. Man to man. See, Matthew 18, 15 through 19 says this, that if your brother offends you, you go to that brother and you say, hey, man, we need to talk. And then y'all talk about the problem and hopefully the relationship will be fixed. But if you happen to go to your brother and you talk about it and you still can't get it worked out, then what Jesus says, this is red letter stuff, Jesus says what you do then is you go get a buddy. And you say, hey, Ty, come with me. What are we going to do? Well, Ty, I really can't tell you. I just need you to be a witness to something because I'm going to talk to a fella and I don't want to say anything about him without him present. So will you just go with me so that there's no he said, she said type stuff going on? So Ty's going to say, okay. So we're going to go talk to that brother and say, hey, th this is what's going on. You know, I don't, I don't really like what we're, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then if you still cannot get it worked out, if that don't work, take it to the church. That's whenever, uh, you know, if it was one of y'all, then, then you would bring it to me. And unfortunately, I've really made some people mad because they come up to me and they go, well, you, you, know, you know what old, old Phil's doing over there? No, nobody said anything bad about Phil because he's darn near perfect, right, Phil? And you're never going to sit on the front row again, are you? And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, you don't have curly hair. You straightened it. And, uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, then you would bring it before the church. You know, you'd say, hey, you know, I, I've got this problem. And, and, and people say, well, I've got a problem with Phil. I usually stop them right there and I say, before you say another word, have you talked to Phil? Well, no, I wanted to see it. Nope. I am not going to entertain an accusation against another brother unless they're present. So before you come talk to me about somebody else, you be a man. Whether you're a man or a woman, you know what I mean. You be a man and you go talk to them about what's going on. If you want to be awesome, you have to settle things man to man. Matthew 18, 15 through 19. And you know what? I'm telling you right now, 99% of the world's problems, 99% of your problems could be solved with this one passage right here. If you have a problem with somebody, go to them and talk to them about it. But there's a couple of points that I need to make. Okay, here's the first one. The Bible says if, you're if another brother offends you, go to that person. Let it be known right now 
that just because you're offended does not make you right, okay? Just because you're the one that gets mad does not make you the one in the right. Because a lot of times what happens is when you're the one offended, the other person that supposedly did the offending didn't even mean anything bad by it by in the first place. They're like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But just because you're offended or just because you have your feelings hurt or just because you get mad doesn't mean that you're right. So understand that when you use Matthew 18, 15 through 19, a lot of times those cards are going to be turned around and it's going to be you that ends up doing the apologizing. So be a man, man to man. Just because you're offended, it doesn't make you right. The second point about Matthew 18, 15 through 19 is this. This isn't how other people should handle their conflicts. This is how you should handle yours. L listen to what I really said just then. This isn't how Matthew 18, 15 through 19 isn't talking about how other people should handle their conflicts. It's how I should handle mine. It's how you should handle yours. Because the, the first thing that happens is whenever I talk about something like this, people in their minds are like, yeah, that's what oh, so-and-so should have done. They don't do that. I ain't talking about other people. I'm talking about me. And you should be talking about you. You don't worry how other people handle their conflicts. You worry about how you handle yours. So two things. If you're offended or if you have your feelings hurt or, or whatever the case may be, seek reconciliation. Go to that person, man to man, woman to woman, and say, man, let's talk. Not to see who is right or wrong, but to see how we can come back together as brothers. The point is not to see who is more right. The goal is to clear the air and not let Satan divide, his, divide Jesus' crew. The second hard thing that cowboys should, well, in this case, don't do, cowboys don't go to bed mad. In Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27, and these things get progressively harder. If you thought the first one was hard, they, ju they just keep getting harder. But these are things that the Bible says. These are things that are going to let Jesus' light shine through you. These are things that is going to make your lives. Th these four things will absolutely change your life if you will listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to me because I don't know nothing. Listen to God speak into your hearts. And it will change your life. Don't go to bed mad. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Cowboys don't go to bed mad. If you want to ride for Jesus' outfit, if you want to truly be a cowboy for God, then number one, we got to start going to people man to man. The second thing, don't go to bed mad. Now, you notice that nowhere in there does it say that you can't be mad. It says, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Everybody's going to get mad. There's nothing wrong with getting mad about something. Things tick us off all the time. But the thing is, being mad is okay, but using anger as an excuse to sin is not. Don't blame others for your behavior or your emotional state of mind. You know what? And when I said I was guilty, I was guilty yesterday. I was having a pretty good day until I got home, and I let the devil whisper something in my ear, and it nearly ruined the whole day. It will happen. Do not let... You can get mad, but don't use it as an excuse to blame others for your emotional state. 
Just because you're mad, it doesn't give you the right to say hurtful things or do hurtful things. Well, I was just PO'd. Well, good for you. That does not, just because you're mad, that is not an excuse to say hurtful things or do hurtful things, whether you're saying or to even give somebody the cold shoulder or whatever. If you need to go outside and kick rocks or kick the barn, go ahead. But quit giving people the silent treatment on one end or quit yelling and being mad at the other. Do not let the sun go down on, on you while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So, you know, this is what God said to me. If it speaks to you, that's fine. But this is what God said to me. And I was really kind of hurt by this because God just kind of talks to me in plain English sometimes. And sometimes it's not always easy to listen to, but the best lessons are hard sometimes because this is what he told me whenever I was writing this. He said, get over it, buttercup. This world isn't going to tiptoe around your pretty little feelings you're wearing on your sleeve. That's pretty much it. And if you've never had God tell you, get over it, buttercup, it's not real pleasant, okay? But if the shoe fits, wear it. If the new boot fits, wear it. Now, I had to do that this morning. Listen, the devil is going to send people that are going to push your buttons, okay? It's going to happen. You're going to be going along and oh, da -da 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 -da. it's going to be a great day and somebody's going to walk up and go ding dong and push your buttons. But just because somebody pushes your buttons does not mean you have to respond to the ding-dong. Okay? Okay. You can use that too. I'm pretty sure ding-dong is biblical. Don't, you know, and, and, it, and, and it's when that ding-dong happens, and that's when you open the door, and that's when Satan sticks his foot in. You don't have to respond. Remember in the very first series we said, don't go to arguing. Quit, just let that... Let that crap go. Who cares? You can't control other people or what they say or what they think. That doesn't matter. Just, just because somebody pushes your buttons, just go on. Who cares? It ain't no big deal. And even if it does make you mad, in your anger, do not sin. Just let it go. The third thing. <laughs> Is this getting easier or what? In Matthew 5.37, be a man of your word. I absolutely love this. In Matthew 5.37, this is what Jesus says. I like this guy. This Jesus guy, he's got it figured out, okay? He knows, and I'm telling you, every one of our problems can be fixed. If we would just be, go man to man with somebody that, if you've got a problem with somebody, go man to man. Number two, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Let it go. And the third thing is Jesus says in Matthew 5, 36, did you hear that? I like vibrated when I said, sound like a fart. All you need to say is yes or no. Everything else comes from the devil. Golly, did you hear that? Just say yes or no. Everything else comes from the devil. Now, wouldn't this be, I did it again. Like a trumpet player today or something. Be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Is there anything more basic to being a, a, a man or a cowboy, then being a man of your word, and I'm not leaving you females out. I, you know, some of the best cowboys I know are girls. Be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Now, I understand some things are going to come up, okay? If you can't follow through on your obligation, call and tell somebody, hey, man, I made a mistake. I said yes, and then this has come up. But it better be something pretty substantial. And if you, but I, I'm telling you what, and, you, and many of you may remember my sermon. 
If you will actually do everything that you say you'll do, you'll quit doing everything you said you were going to do. I promise. Because, my gosh, we overload ourselves. Every time somebody says something, we're like, yeah, I'll do that. And then you're later, you're like, why did I say that? So I just say no every now and then just to make sure I can still do it. Be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. How about this? Especially when it comes to your ride with God. Have you promised him you'd do something and then after two days you quit? Or when it got a little hard, you started making excuses? I think we've all been there. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Be a man. Be a cowboy. Be a man of your word. You can say no. Do you know what? There's nothing unbiblical about telling somebody no. Absolutely not. And I'm here to tell you that I think more people have been saved from Christ than to Christ because what happens is we want to swoop in and save everybody when they have the, you know, oh, there's a thorn in my foot, you know, get it out. And then you get it out and then they walk right back through the same little briar patch and, oh, I've got a thorn in my foot. And, oh, you idiot, you shouldn't have gone in there. Get it out yourself. We're supposed to carry each other's, what is it, burden? or I can't ever get them. But anyway, the everyday things, let them handle it themselves. They're big boys. Let them depend upon God. What we are supposed to help with are the burdens. When somebody passes away or unexpected, a fire happens or out of the ordinary things, those are the things that we're supposed to come in and help people with. And I'm not saying that we can't lend anybody a hand. But you know what? A lot of people won't come to Christ until they hit rock bottom. And their rock bottom is usually a mile below where you think it is. Sometimes we just need to tell people no so that they can quit depending on everybody else and start depending upon God. It is okay to say no. Jesus says all you need to say is yes or no. Everything else comes from the devil. In summary, what I think that says is no explanations, no excuses. If you say no... You do not have to explain yourself to anybody. If somebody asks you to do something or needs something, and you say, you know what, I can't do it. If they want an explanation, you don't owe them an explanation. I mean, you, you really don't. You know, if you, if you can't say no to a friend, you don't have one. Think about that. If you can't say no to a friend, you don't have one. And it's okay to say no to your spouse, contrary to popular belief. Now, my wife will tell you, I hate it when my husband tells me no. And I hate it when she tells me no, but I'm getting better at it. No explanations, no excuses. And the fourth thing, this is the end right here. Cowboys don't quit the outfit. Cowboys don't quit. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, that's a great verse. I mean, and, and, and you know what I love about this? Have anybody ever heard of the sandwich method where you say something good and then you say something hard and then you say something good? <laughs> kind of end on a good note. That's kind of what the writer of Hebrews says here. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, we need to be encouraging. And in order to be encouraging, we've got to be encouragers. I don't even know if that's a word, but, you know, be encouraging. Not a complainer, whiny, baby, powder doubter. Try to say that three times. I mean, we, we, we got we to be encouraging. If we, it, it says, um, think about things that are pure and awesome. Let, let those things come out of our mouth. If you got to say something, what did your, what did your grandma say? If you're going to say something, say something nice. We can be encouraging. It takes a little practice. Some, uh, some, some of us need a little more practice than others. But, you know, because that's what my wife says. She goes, 
You make me so mad every time I say something, you always point out the negative stuff. Well, you know, we don't really need to be the devil's advocate with everything. Let's be encouraging to each other. Let's be encouraging to each other. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter when the gather doesn't go your way or you don't get to go rope. And, I'm not, and when it says don't give up in the habit of meeting together, there are several layers there. Don't give up hanging out with some, with some brothers and sisters, okay? Don't seclude yourself. And it also means, I believe, coming to church, you know? It, it's so easy to, to start making excuses. Well, I've got this going on. Yeah, you do, and, and that's fine. I don't think that attending church is the ultimate goal of Christianity. I really don't. But it is important, okay? It's a time when we can gather together and encourage one another in love and good deeds so that we can have the fellowship. And, but not just at church. Even during the week, man, go ride with somebody. Hang out with somebody. Call and invite somebody to lunch. This is about all of us being on the same team. This is about us coming together. Cowboys ain't quitters, and quitters ain't cowboys. I mean, that, that's, that's just the nuts and bolts of it. And I ain't talking about, when, whenever I say go to church, I don't care. Now, don't get me wrong. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for everybody that's watching on the internet and here today or listening on the radio. I love each and every one of you. But I really, I, I love it that you come here. But I don't really care where you go. I care about your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else, okay? This isn't not about Save the Cowboy. This is us as the family of God. This is about us being brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what I'm talking about. We are one, no matter what line camp or cow camp or outfit we attend on Sunday mornings. We are one. Don't let anything come in between that. In summary, your beliefs don't make you a cowboy. Your behavior does. And when I say cowboy, I'm not talking about boots and hats and, and riding 9 old across the pasture with 60-foot rope, although that helps. <laughs> there was a funny joke the other day. Somebody said, what do you do with 60-foot rope? Cut it in half and make two 30-foot ropes out of it. That's what they said. And then I said, or you could just hand it to a cowboy. <laughs> Woo! I think there was some Matthew 18, 15 through 19 going on for me that day because I got a lot of calls on that one. I was just joking. Good grief. Your beliefs don't make you a cowboy for God. Your behavior does. Cowboys settle things man to man, man to man. If you got a problem with somebody, pray about it. Go talk to them. But be as big a man as you want the other person to be because it might be you that's messed up because I know that that's happened to me. I've gone to somebody and figured out it was my fault, and that sucks. Cowboys settle things man to man. Cowboys don't let the sun go down on their anger. Let it go. Sing Frozen. Get the soundtrack, Disney. Let it go. Let it go. And when your wife says that to you, it'll make you so mad. It will make you mad. You notice I said when your wife says it to you. Guys, don't say that to your wife. You just say it to yourself. Don't even do that. Cowboys sell things man to man. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. No explanations, no excuses. You can say yes, you can say no. Anything else comes from the devil. And the last thing, cowboys ain't quitters and quitters ain't cowboys. Don't give up in your ride with God, no matter what. It's going to be difficult sometimes. The devil is going to throw things in your way. He's going to try to distract you from being who you want to be. He's going to give you the excuses. Oh, it's okay, you can do this. And I'm not saying that you have to be at church every single Sunday. This ain't about church. This is about your ride with God. Be sure it's authentic. Let's go to God in prayer.
God, help us to get out there in the pastures that you've placed us in and let others see your awesome light that shines through each of us. God, you're the most awesome thing in the world, and you chose, to, chose us to be your cowboys, to go out into this dark world and bring in the strays. God, help us to realize just how much you love us so that others may be able to experience the life that most only dream of. God, thank you so much for your son, and thanks for backing us up when we fail you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.